0: And I'm currently serving on the session here at First Press. Please join me in the call to worship. From every nation and every language, we cry out. Salvation salvation belongs to our God and to the land, Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving. Honor and power and might be to our God. The Lord is worthy to be praised. Friends, let us worship our God. Our first scripture reading is from the 23rd Psalm. Listen for and hear the word of God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk... Our second text is from the book of Acts, the ninth chapter, verses 36 through 43. If you'd like to follow along, it's on page 120 in the New Testament portion of your pew Bible. Uh, Continue to listen to God's word to you and to me. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works. And acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples, who heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him with the request, Please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him him. To the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes. And seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, break open this word afresh to us this day so that we may be different people than those who came into this sacred space this morning, even to be more like your Son, Jesus Christ, the risen and reigning Lord. Amen. Well, when Peter showed Tabitha, to be alive to the saints and the widows of the church in Joppa when word got out that she had been raised from the dead. What was witnessed in that moment was really just the culmination and the pinnacle of the resurrection power of God already at work in and through her life. For when Tabitha lived, she was truly alive. When she lived, she was truly alive. She was alive to God and she was alive to other people. She was alive to God's mission for them and for the world. Luke tells us that she was devoted to good works and acts of charity. In fact, he calls her a disciple. Now this is the only time the word disciple appears in the feminine form. The only time it appears in the feminine form in Luke's two-volume work, the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, Tabitha was a disciple. She made an impact. She made a difference for the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And because she made a difference, because the impact was so great, the grief was so heavy. Because she made an impact that was so great, The grief was so heavy, shared among those who loved her and for those who were blessed by her ministry. Luke tells us that the women mourning her death showed Peter all the the tunics and the clothing that she had made for them when she was alive. Upon seeing these handmade items, Peter's feelings may have been similar to the feelings I have had when members of this congregation talk about the beautiful handmade plates that hang in the pastoral care suite, or or the beautiful colorful cups that were handcrafted by one Nancy Kerwin. Tragically killed in a car accident in the fall of 2008, Dr. Kerwin was the executive director of the Samaritan Counseling Center, a partner ministry that is housed right here on our campus. It was said that the essence of Nancy's life was giving to others. She saw the best in everyone and passionately maintained the conviction that that people could heal, that, that people with support and with encouragement and care could be made well again she gave and she gave and she never gave up by the example of her own Christian life. She inspired people suffering from mental illness to realize that caring for others could in fact be part of the road to their own healing, to their own wholeness. When people around this church talk about Nancy, when they think about Nancy, when they think about her impact, and when they look upon these these beautiful handcrafted items, these, these plates and these cups, they are at once filled with both gratitude for having known her, but also a grief because she is no longer with us. Many of us did not have the privilege of knowing Nancy Kerwin. If we didn't, I still suspect that we have known someone like her right we've known someone like tabitha in your own mind think about that person right now think about that person who for you has been a tabitha who has been the one who has demonstrated for you what it means to carry the name disciple with faithfulness and integrity who are the tabithas in your life, the ones who have modeled the Christian life, the ones who you know without a doubt followed Jesus with everything that they were. Those who wear the name disciple may live fully alive. A disciple will tell you this. Those who bear the name disciple will live and can live fully alive to God and fully alive to others because they know they too will be shown to be alive in the resurrection from the dead the same way that Tabitha was. Even though they walk, even though we walk in the valley of the shadow of death, they and we do not fear because we know that God is near us. We know that God is... For us we know that the fullness of life that we may experience right here and right now because of the grace of God and the power of God to raise Jesus from the dead that it doesn't end in death but that we will share in a fullness of life in the age to come that is the disciples treasure and so we are made alive without fear because we know how this story ends. Jesus said, I have come to give life to the full. This fullness is known in following him and will be known in the age to come. You know, when I think of saints like these, the folks that you're thinking about right now in your own heart and in your own mind, when I think about saints, and disciples like these, I think of the words attributed to Mother Teresa who once said, not all of us can do great things. Not all of us can do great things. But we can do small things with great love. We can do small things with great love. Katie and I visited uh, the High Museum right next door on Friday and took in the Eric Carle uh, exhibit. Carl is one of our favorite children's authors and illustrators, some of our top picks have been books that we read over and over and over and over and over again to our boys, books like The Very Hungry Caterpillar and Brown Bear, Brown Bear. Uh, Carl once said, when I was a small boy, my father would take me on walks across meadows and through woods. He, He wrote, in my books, I honor my father by writing about small living things. I honor my Father by writing about small living things. Sometimes when I read the scriptures, I wonder if the same can be said about the authors of our sacred texts. They honor our heavenly parent by writing about the, the, the small things, the small acts and the obscure and sometimes unremarkable people that by God's grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit bear witness to faith, to hope, and to love. I mean, think about it for just a second. We are we're called to have the, the same disposition as lilies and sparrows. We're called to have faith like a, like a mustard seed. We're called to celebrate the two-coin generosity of a widow. We're told that greatness comes in service, firstness comes in lastness, and the central story of our faith and our life together, the incarnation of God in and as Jesus Christ comes to us in the form of smallness. My friend Shane Claiborne put it this way, we have a God who enters the world through smallness, a baby refugee who becomes a homeless rabbi. One of the marks of discipleship, I think, is to not overlook the smallness and the ways in which God works in those small acts with great love, no doubt. Tabitha was mourned in part because she did small things with great love. She did small things with great love. One of the marks of her ministry was was making clothes, and when I think about this feature of her service, I, I immediately think about our prayer shawl and knitting ministries here at First Presbyterian. Now, far be it from me to call knitting a small thing. For Lord knows I lack both the skill and the patience to knit anything. I don't even know what that's called, that stuff that you you yarn, whatever. I don't even know what to use. But knitting a shawl is not the kind of story that makes headlines in the church newsletter necessarily, right? There's, there's nothing necessarily glamorous about 10 to 15 people getting together to knit and to pray over shawls that will quietly and discreetly be given, distributed to those who are sick, who are, who are grieving, who are facing loss or a transition in life. I mean, let's be honest. Many church folk consider prayer shawl ministry is a small thing. Unless, of course, you're a knitter. Or that you've actually received one. When I was heading into my surgery for kidney cancer in 2009, the prayer shawl ministry of the church that Katie and I were serving at the time knit and prayed over this shawl. They put it around me on the eve of that surgery. There is power in this article. I slept with this in the hospital. I slept with this at home while I was recuperating. It still remains for me today a faith artifact that points to the ways in which God works through small things done with great love. My wife Katie, along with Iris Dodge, have relaunched our prayer shawl ministry here in the church. Fifteen women, in fact, gathered this past week to do this small thing with great love that has a gigantic impact. One of the women in the group has been recently grieving the death of her sister. When asked why she joined this ministry, she told a story about how the, the knitters from this group had, had made her a shawl and had, had prayed over it and they at a Bible study put it around her shoulders and had prayed for her. And she talked about what a great comfort that shawl has been in the midst of this difficult time, in the midst of this valley of the shadow of death. The woman told the group that she had never really knitted before, but that she wanted to make a shawl so that she could give a gift the way that a gift was given to her. Discipleship and ministry, when it is found to be faithful, I believe is generative. It reproduces Itself, It carries on in the life and in the faith of someone else. When I read this text from Acts 9, I I become more and more confident that Tabitha's ministry was one that many sought to replicate. Many sought to reproduce in and for the world. Friends, I am convinced that faithful discipleship exercised in small things done with great love has a reproductive element to it. People who see it or who have been blessed by it eventually want to emulate it. They eventually want to replicate it. They too want to be shown to be alive, not just physically, but spiritually alive to God's mission in the world and spiritually alive to God's call upon their lives in ways in which they might participate in what God is doing and what God will do. He only lived there for a few years, but Washington, D.C. would be the scene of one of his earliest and most important childhood experiences. His mother, Margie, would sit with her children on the front porch of their home. This was the early 1900s and directly across from their house was a streetcar stop. One day an older African-American woman came to that stop and, and was waiting for the next car to come and to pick her up. One car did come, but it didn't stop. And then another car came and went right Past her, and then another one, and then another one after that, but none of the operators would stop. It was obvious what was happening. The operators were not going to stop for a black woman. So the boy's mother looked at her son and said, Wait right here. And she went into the house, she grabbed her hat and her pocketbook. She walked indignantly toward the streetcar stop, and Margie, a white woman, waited there with the other woman. When the next streetcar came down, the operator saw her standing there, and he stopped. The African-American woman climbed on, and Margie turned around and went back to her house. That young boy never forgot what his mother had done. He never forgot the inspiration he received, the encouragement he received to participate in doing what is right in the world, to pursue justice for all. It was a small thing done with great love, and it had a tremendous impact on how he was going to be shown to be alive to God and shown to be alive in the world as a part of God's mission. You see, that boy grew up and went to Cornell University, earning both his undergraduate and his law degree there. Eventually, he was appointed the chief judge of the Fifth Circuit Court in the United States. It was a jurisdiction that stretched from Savannah to El Paso, Texas. You know his name, many of you do. His name was Albert Tuttle. A man of faith and courage and moral fortitude, Tuttle carried out the Supreme Court's decision in Brown versus the Board of Education. He carried it out throughout the states. In that jurisdiction, in that Fifth Circuit, from voter registration to civil liberties to school desegregation and jury and job discrimination cases, his decision after decision after decision, this judge consistently ruled in favor of equality, in favor of ending the tactic of delay, in favor of promoting justice. His mother's small act with great love at that streetcar stop would be forever etched in his mind and perpetuated his own call and heart to do God's work in the world. As many of you know, our family lives in a home owned by our church, and that home was built by Judge Tuttle in 1948. In fact, I prepared this sermon in Judge Tuttle's bedroom, which now serves as a library for our family. Friends, who knows what would have happened if Judge Tuttle didn't have the model of his mother? Who knows what would have happened had he not seen her small act with great love? Who knows what would have happened to the church in Joppa Had Tabitha not lived and loved in the way of Jesus Christ the way she did, who knows what will happen in your family if you live and love in the way of Jesus Christ? Who who knows what will happen in our church if we live and love in the way of Jesus Christ? Who knows what will happen in the city of Atlanta if we live and love in the way of Jesus Christ. Who knows what will happen in the world if we live and love in the way of Jesus Christ. And so brothers and sisters, may we be about the business of good works and acts of charity. May we be about the business of discipleship, what it means to follow Jesus. And may we do small things with great love. And may we be shown to be alive to God and to the world. May it be so for the sake of the gospel and the sake of the world and all of God's people say, Amen. Spirit wants to show us to be alive to God in God's mission, to God in God's world, and to those whom we've been called to love and bless in the way of Jesus Christ. May we be his disciples, and for the journey, may the peace of Christ, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in him. May his peace live inside of you this day and every day of your life.